turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 5. We've been looking at this book verse by verse this morning, verses 12 through 21, Romans 5. We, uh, I think, have a, a great balance this morning of some simple doctrinal truths, which we've just sung, into very difficult complexities of Scripture. Let me read it for you, Romans 5, beginning at verse 12. Hear God's word. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ." So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous." The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a complicated passage. It's a deep passage. It's a passage that perhaps doesn't just reach out and grab you it doesn't seem to be just an immediate hook in the passage perhaps that grabs you what i want to use as the hook to kind of get you into the passage this morning is just to think about the word representation and how we need representation it's clear to us today if you have an automobile wreck it's been hounded into us it's probably no commercial to that effect, anybody here has missed. You know to, what to do if you have an automobile wreck, right? Call all twos now. Call all threes now. Call all fives now. Call all nines now. doesn't matter where you are. It seems like when I go on vacation, they just change the numbers. I think you can just hold down your cell phone on a number and you will get somebody to represent you. You know, it's, it's, it's done. And we've been fed the concept that we will not get a fair shake, we will not have justice, we won't get the money we're due, whether we're in the right or in the wrong, without representation. 
don't go in front of the insurance company and don't go to court without representation. We need that. And that's what we're told. And so we go for representation. Understand the need for representation. Now, let's bring it into Romans 5. First of all, see yourself as I see myself. We are all a spiritual wreck. We have all been in a wreck. We've all been damaged. We already know from Romans 3, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're in the spiritual wreck of life. In that wreck, we need representation. In Romans 5, there are two representatives put before us. We can either be represented by Adam, or we can be represented by Christ. And so the question all through this passage, as you think about it, are you represented by Adam, or are you represented by Christ? Let me ask you, are you in good hands? That's the question. That's what we want to think about. Whose hands are we in when we have to present ourselves before God the righteous judge? Who will represent us well? Who will represent us best? Who will deal in the courtroom the way we need um, when that time comes? Um, the question is, theological question, on what basis does God declare sinners righteous? And the answer in this passage on what basis does God declare sinners righteous? The answer is on the basis of representation. And if we understand that, you're going to leave here with an enormous amount of comfort if you're in good hands, if you're in the hands of Christ as your representative. That you will then be one that will go before the courts of heaven and be declared righteous because your representative will win that verdict for you. That's the good news of this passage. I want you to see it. Let's, let's kind of work through it little by little. Romans 5, verses 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, just as through one man. Now, the one man's a key phrase. You, as you get down in the passage, verse 14, he tells you the one man's Adam. But even back in verse 12, you could have gotten it. There was only one time where you would have referred to somebody as really the one man. There was a time in, on earth in Genesis when there was only one man. Who you been talking to? Well, the, the one man. There's not two men. There's not three men. There's only the one man. And it was Adam. And at that time when there was just the one man, sin entered into the world. So he, he begins by letting us know there is one man and sin came into the world because of representation. We were represented by that one man, which is why he gets to the place. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world through him, death through sin, the chain reaction. So when sin entered, the wages of sin is death. So death enters death through sin, and so death spread to all men, so we all are affected by it, and then it makes this statement, because all sin, 
And we say, wait, 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 I wasn't there. How did that happen? By representation. When Adam sinned, and he goes on to say, we don't sin like Adam or in the likeness of Adam. We didn't commit the same sin he committed. But we do commit sin like Adam. We're offensive to God. But when Adam sinned, we all sinned. Adam was chosen to be our representative. And his time before God, he was representing us. And so if he sins, we sin. Because he was representing us um, before God. Uh, it goes on to, to, to talk about, uh, well, wait a minute, we didn't even know what the law was. We didn't even know, you know, sin is lawlessness. We didn't know what we were breaking. He, he mentions this, verse, thir- verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world. So the law didn't come till Moses. You know, 400 years after this, four or 500 years later. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned. I mean, there was a law broken. Adam broke a law. He was told not to eat of the forbidden fruit. He broke that. He sinned against God. As our representative, we sinned in him. He was working the deal. Um, we sinned in him. A lot of times we want to say, well, I want another representative. You know, I want to appeal. We, we had the best representative we could have gotten. Uh, so, well, I didn't get to choose. You couldn't have chosen better. God specifically designed Adam to represent us. He was sinless when God made that choice. There was no better choice to be made. Adam sinned. We sinned in him. He was representing us. That's the argument. So, so death spread through Adam. Adam became a sinner. Now, if you've got any part of Adam, you've got a sinful part. It's like dropping uh, food coloring into uh, a glass of water. If you drop a drop of food coloring into the glass of water, what happens to the water? It's all tainted. Now, none of us are as bad as we can be. We could be worse. The food coloring could be darker. But every molecule is tainted with that drop. So if we've gotten any drop of Adam, you understand, we have received a sinful drop. When Adam sinned, we sinned in him. And it spread to us. The sin spread to all men. All mankind sinned. And so death spread to all mankind. The consequences of sin came to us all. So verse 14, so death reigned. Death is ruling over us. We all die. And we die because we are in sin. And we're in sin because we were represented by Adam. We're all born this way as sinners, represented by Adam. Good, bad, doesn't matter. We all share alike in the sin of Adam. You know, Adam goes into the courtroom and says, God, I want to make a deal on behalf of mankind. And God says, the deal is you sin, you go to hell. Adam comes out of the courtroom and says, well, I got a deal. What's the deal? Hell. That's not a good deal. Go back. Can't. There's no appeal. We've all sinned. Wage of sin is death. Sin reigns. Death reigns. This is as good as I could get. That's our predicament. That's the nature of the case. No other arguments can be made that's 
going to remedy that. Um, we have all sinned. We're so individualistic, we hate it. But I think we understand representation. When you have representation, you have to submit to that representation. The deal they make is the deal you have. That's it. And that's con those consequences have come to us. Um, and there's no better choice. Well, there's Christ. Christ has come into the world, and Christ did not come into the world the same way Adam came into the world. Christ did not come through Adam or th the same way we came into the world. Christ was born of the Holy Spirit. Christ is not in Adam. Christ is a second representative. So you can be in Adam or you can have different counsel. You can have a different advocate. You can have a different representative, and that's Christ. Christ has come into the world so that we might be in him represented by him and not by Adam. And that's where he goes and he begins to contrast the difference between Adam and Christ, which is just wonderful. Beginning at verse 15, he says, but the free gift, that's a description of Christ. How do you get Christ? It's a free gift. The free gift, Christ, is not like the transgression, Adam. You got these two options. You've got the transgression, which Adam committed and has passed on to us. Or you've got this free gift, which is Christ. It says, for if by the transgression of the one, speaking of Adam, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ, and so now he's clearing it up. You wanted to know what the free gift was. It's the one man, Jesus Christ. Much more did that grace abound to many. Um, it's a free gift, Christ. Adam, it's a transgression. Uh, Christ brings us the grace of God. Notice um, the results of that down in verse 18. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men. So that's Adam. That was the results. Even so, gives you the contrast. Through one act of righteousness, there resulted in justification of life to all men. Wow, big difference. Represented by Christ, by his act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. So Adam, lawbreaker. Christ, lawkeeper. The lawbreaker sins, death reigns. The lawkeeper, righteousness, life for all eternity reigns. Justification. Second contrast, bondage and freedom. Verse 16 says, The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment. So if you've got representation by Adam, there's this judgment. There's being under the wrath of God, a bondage arose from the one transgression, resulting in condemnation. You walk around feeling condemned. But then on the other hand, it gives you the contrast. The free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. You're free. You're justified. Um, what a contrast. What a blessing. We're released into life. He even says in verse 17, 
because of this gift of righteousness, we reign in life through Jesus Christ. It's like coming out of prison. You can imagine being in a dark prison cell, confined, bondage, and then you get released, and in just a short time, you become the owner and operator of a billion-dollar corporation, and you fly around on your private jet wherever you want. Can you get that kind of contrast? That's kind of like what is going on here. Represented by Adam, you're in bondage. You're under judgment. You're under God's wrath. You're under condemnation. There's just nothing good going on. You're under Christ. You have such freedom to explore and to live and to rule and to enjoy life. That's the represent, our representatives, what they do for us. Um, verse 15 and 17 just describe um, this. I, I love the phrase, much more. It's three times in the passage. Uh, you, you see it verse, first in verse 15. He says, um, many died, but much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. I just love how Christ comes and brings us much more. Have, have you, everybody in here has probably played cornhole. Have you, have you ever seen somebody throw a perfect game of cornhole? You know, so if you're throwing five bags, everyone goes in the hole. You know, do, do, do. So if you're the competitor, you throw one in, you think, oh, that's good. And he goes, do, wipes that one out. You throw another one, just makes the board, through. When you see something like that, you say, man, that's, that's perfect. Absolutely. When you see Christ as our representative, it's like no matter what Adam does, no matter how much he appeals, no matter what he does for you, he gets you into this earth, but he's messed up with sin, and you're messed up with sin. Christ, no matter what Adam does, it's like Christ much more. Just do perfect, 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 perfect. And at some point you say, Victor, you know, he has won. He has everything, perfect righteousness. There's nothing you can achieve, I can achieve, that's better, greater than Christ. He's, his grace is just so much more every time, uh, over and over and over. And that's what you see in this passage. It's there in verse 15. Uh, it's there in verse 17. It says, through Adam, death reigns, but much more through Christ uh, is there. And then again in verse 20, uh, it says, the law came in so transgression increases but all the more all the more um, Christ comes in there's this grace abounds to everyone see the greatness of freedom that's ours in Christ well um, how and how are Christ and Adam alike there's some of that in the passage as well um, verse 14 the last phrase says we had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So he's given us the clue. There's, there's something in which, there's some way in which Adam is a type of Christ. We've been focusing on how they're different, but there's also an emphasis on how they're the same. And we can cut to the chase, really. How are they the same? They're both representatives. Adam represents 
this body of humanity. And Christ comes to represent a body of humanity. They're both representatives. And it's crucial that we understand that, that they, they represent humanity. One represents those who have received the gift of righteousness unto life, and Adam represents all the rest. Now, that brings us to verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Now let's just linger there a minute. The more I've lingered, the more I've meditated upon this verse, the more it just comes to me as it may be one of the most significant verses in all of Scripture. And you could read it and pass by it and miss it. So let me read it again. You just think about why is this so significant? Verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, speaking of Christ, the many, so not everyone, the many will be made righteous. Now I want you to linger there because we're a people who think we're made righteous by our works. And we think what we need to do is, is keep the rules and we're righteous. And this doesn't say that at all. It says we're made righteous through one. One person. Not through anything we have done. We're not righteous by works at all. Um, you know, think about you go to heaven and you stand before God and God says, you know, what have you done? What are you going to say? Uh, what have I done? Like, uh, I wasn't expecting that question. Well, uh, you know, the first commandment, God, you said you, you, we shouldn't worship anybody else. I've been, I've been worshiping you. You're the only one I've worshiped. Second commandment, I, I, I don't have any idols that I know of. I, I don't put anything before you. I've, I've watched my speech. I haven't been profane in my speech. Fourth commandment, Sabbath day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remembered the Sabbath day. I set the Sabbath day apart. It's sacred. It's not optional. I, I, I met on the Sabbath day for worship. God says, huh, that's good. I mean, you've done some good stuff. But the question is not really what have you done. What I'm asking is what have you done that makes you acceptable, that makes you righteous. Like, huh, what have you done that's removed the sin completely from you and made you righteous? And the answer to that question is absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. My only hope that somebody else makes me righteous. And that's verse 19. We are made righteous by the one, by Christ alone, not by something we do. Why do we default back into saying, well, I need to do good things. I need to be better. That's living like Adam. I want to live like I'm represented by Christ. And if I'm represented by Christ, I must 
fully embraced. There is absolutely no work I can do or accumulation of works I can do that will ever make me acceptable to God. I am only there by the free gift. I am only there by grace. I am only there by Christ alone. Again, verse 19, through the one man's disobedience, many are made sinners. You can keep disobeying and you keep being sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Uh, the penalty, Christ doesn't just, what I'm saying here theologically, Christ does not just take care of the penalty of sin. On the cross, he died for us, and he removed the penalty of sin. Christ doesn't just do that. Christ also supplies the righteousness, the good works, the obedience. He supplies it to our account. We don't supply it. You know, no matter what your problem is, we are, we are a nation that, that seems to be uh, addicted to rules. You're drinking, well, you're alcoholic. You need more structure. You need more rules. And if you would keep the rules, don't drink this, don't do this, don't do that, you'll be better. You'll get out of bondage. If you've uh, got anger issues, well, it's because you lose it. You, obviously, you don't have enough structure. You need rules. And we create rules. You've got pornography problems. Well, you need rules. You need to turn off this, do this, do this. And there's rules. And we're all just saying, stay in your lane, bro. You know, get the rules and stay in the lane. And you'll be all right. And we think that obedience to the rules is going to make us acceptable. Do you see the contrast here? Christ is saying, no, they will not make you acceptable. The rules give you lanes. They give you guides, yes. But you will not be, become righteous by keeping the rules. Righteousness only comes through one, and that's Christ. So praise God if you're in good hands, if you're in his hands, if you have the gift of righteousness. That is what alone saves. We are not a church telling you to straighten up, do better, try harder. None of that's going to work, so that's why we're not preaching it. We preach Christ. Christ alone saves sinners. You do nothing. You receive him. It's a free gift. That's the beauty of verse 19. I encourage you to linger. He tells you about his representation, verse 20 and 21. The law came in, verse 20, so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So is, is he going to start contrasting now Moses? No, he says, let's just, let's just deal with the whole law thing. The law came in through Moses, yes. But what does the law do? The law, it looks like sin is increasing. It's multiplying because the law makes sin visible. The law tells us where we have fallen short. It tells us where we've crossed the line. If we're supposed to stay in the lane, you know, we're always swerving. It's, it's the the law that tells us we've gotten out off track. And so the law comes in and it just shows an, an increase, an abundance of sin. 
But it doesn't matter, God says. The greater the sin, the greater Christ. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ comes and gives us more and more and more grace. When Christ died on the cross, who killed him? We killed him. Our sin. He paid the penalty. He just loves us more. He says, I don't want to just pay the penalty. Let me give you my righteousness. Let me give you my obedience. You're not going to be able to do it. Let me do it for you. In Christ alone we stand. By his blood we're saved. Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to fix your life by law. We need the law. Law is important. We saw that in Romans 3. We're going to see it again in 6 and 7 and 8. The law has a purpose, but the purpose of the law is not to save. It guides us. It directs us. It's part of God's holy character. But it's not the tool God uses to save us. Salvation is by grace alone through Christ. Without Christ, we're living like Adam. and We have no hope. There's an old Smokey Robinson song. I think Michael Jackson was the one who made it famous. Who's loving you? Remember that song? I love it. Well, who's loving you? Is it Adam? Are you loving Adam and Adam's representation? Or do you see the love of God for you? Do you see that God loves you so much he sent his son to not just pay the penalty, to not just deal with your sin problem? But to deal with your obedience problem, you're not going to be able to measure up. And so Christ lovingly gives us righteousness and grace we could never obtain. Are you in good hands? If you're not in Christ this morning, see, that's your need to be crying out, God, give me Christ. God, give me Christ. I have no hope. I need to be represented well. And Christ is my only hope. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. As difficult as it is sometimes, help us to see the important parts. Let us see Jesus. Let us see him in his death for us. Let us see him in his life of obedience for us. That he had a record a life worth exchanging and it frees us to be acceptable before you father for those who are not yet there yet they they're being represented by adam going into a time of judgment poorly represented father help them to see they need the representation of christ grant that grace that free gift again and again. May it abound more and more. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.